0: Welcome. You're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Aaron had to catch his breath because he's getting older tomorrow. So, uh, He's just not what he once was, which is actually part of what we're going to be talking about this morning. We are going to remain in Isaiah chapter 40, and we are going to look at the last few verses of this great chapter. One of the great chapters, not only in Isaiah, but in all of the Bible. And so we're spending two weeks here in this particular chapter. We heard the phrase numerous times. I can't tell you how many times we've heard the phrase in our home I'm tired. And sometimes that phrase was uttered first thing in the morning. I mean, our kids would drag themselves down the stairs, come into the kitchen, having had at least eight hours of sleep, and the first thing they say when we greet them in the morning is often, I'm tired. Sometimes it's after a grueling day of three to four hours of work. I once joked with them that I was going to put it on their tombstone. She's finally getting some rest. We all experience times of being physically tired for multiple reasons. Perhaps it is because of long days and long hours at work, maybe days or even weeks upon end. Accountants know this, when mid-April comes, they're, they're ready for the 15th to be behind them so they can rest. Sometimes even a vacation is tiring because we try to cram in so much. We don't want to miss anything and want to accomplish as much as we can. If you've ever been to Disney, you know that is not a restful vacation. And the same can be said about vigorous exercise. Afterward, our body just needs rest. We not only get tired physically, sometimes we get mentally tired. It's not that we've done anything that's physically exhausting. It's just that our minds are working overtime, and that too can be draining. Our brains are running through things over and over again. Perhaps it's some anxiety or worrying about something that has not yet happened. We've all experienced late nights when we cannot fall asleep because our mind is just working overtime. And that leads to a combination of both physical and mental fatigue. Of course, there can also be emotional fatigue. Perhaps that's the most common during this time of pandemic. It's not that we're physically tired. We're not doing as much as we used to do. But emotionally, we're just tired of this crisis, and we are ready for it to be over with so that life can go back to what we had before. Emotional fatigue can actually be more tiring than even physical fatigue. But there is another category that perhaps we don't often think about because we're too ready to describe our fatigue in in one of these other categories. We're too quick to say that we're physically, mentally or emotionally tired and perhaps don't consider that it might be this other category and that category is what I'm calling spiritual fatigue. That's what we're gonna be talking about this morning and perhaps it often goes by other names names like apathy or being lethargic or perhaps we use the term burnout but whatever term we use there are times in our lives where we simply lack the spiritual motivation and energy times when we're tired of fighting temptation and so we don't we just give in to whatever our favorite sin might be times when we don't feel like reading the bible or going to God in prayer. So once again, we just don't. We don't have the energy for these things, and so we pass them off. Or worse, there might be times in our lives when we are mad at God because of some perceived slight or silence on His part, and so we openly and intentionally rebel against Him. The truth is we all face times like this in our lives. It may stretch for a day or two, or it might stretch on over years. It might be the result of one of the other categories and the combination with a physical and a spiritual fatigue coming together can bring disastrous consequences, which is why it is essential that we recognize times of spiritual fatigue and seek renewal. And so this morning from the latter verses of Isaiah chapter 40, we are going to look at this condition called spiritual fatigue. Verse 27. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, since this is the same chapter that we looked at last week, the setting is also the same. Isaiah is prophesying decades into the future. This is not happening at the moment he is saying this. He is predicting what is going to happen in the future when the people have been taken into captivity by Babylonians and they are their servants. And by the time he is prophesying this, or by the time this actually comes true, I should say, they have likely been there for a number of years. And as a result, despair is starting to set in. And so that is our first point this morning. You and I need to realize our own despair. If we are going to get beyond spiritual fatigue, we have to diagnose it properly first, meaning we have to admit our despair. And uh, Now, we ought to be readily available to do that, to acknowledge from time to time that we do face these things in our life. There is no shame in admitting it. I've already said that all of us face it. And we need to realize the spiritual dimension of this. It is not just the case that we need to get some rest because we are physically tired. It is not just the case that we need to have a good cry because we are emotionally wearied. It is not just the case that we need to find a hobby because mentally we are taxed. There are times in our lives when we are spiritually fatigued and we need only the renewal that God himself can bring. In our text, we see this despair in verse 27. And what you're not going to see in your English translations is the ongoing nature of all of these action words. All of these words are continuous in force, meaning we could translate these words as keep saying and keep speaking or at the end of that verse, my right is continually disregarded by God. These people are not having a bad day. These people are not having a bad week. They are crying out to God over a lengthy period of time, and they have come to the place where they are in despair because they are blaming God for their situation. They want to know why God is not listening. Why is God not answering? Why is God not solving their problems? The very same questions that run through our minds at times, maybe the same questions that you've poured out to God through tears, perhaps at the bedside of a loved one whose health is failing, or after another long night of not knowing where or what your child is doing. Maybe it is a divorce and all the effects that that has on on you and your family. Maybe it is the loss of a job or countless other circumstances that leave us dazed and confused. Now, one answer is that God simply doesn't know. I mean, maybe God's not answering because he's not aware of my situation. And that is what they are saying when they say in verse 27, my way is hidden from the Lord. They're saying God has forgotten us. He doesn't know the pain and suffering that we are going through, and that's why he's not answering. Another answer might be that God does know, God does see, but he simply doesn't want to help. We've seen him help others, but for whatever reason, he doesn't want to help us. We are not on his favored list. And so we rack our brains trying to find some hidden sin that is the cause for our predicament. We always want to know a cause for what we are going through. And so we add more guilt onto the experience already trying to find a sin that perhaps is not even there. Thinking that this must be the answer to our despair. Now we're not likely to come to this third conclusion, but others do. And that is that God simply is not powerful enough to do anything about it. God does see. God does want to help. But God is simply not able to come to our aid. Perhaps it is some combination of all three of these answers, or more likely we continually run back and forth between any number of these. But regardless of which direction we go to in our mind, it all leads to the same place. An inaccurate view of God that leads to despair. Here again, we, sever- we seldom make this connection, that the depth of our despair is impacted by our poor understanding of God. That is, because we do not accurately know the nature and character of God, our despair in times of trials and suffering are worse than they ought to be because we have a misunderstanding about who God is. And therefore, a huge step out of our despair is a clearer understanding of God and his nature, which is where Isaiah is going to take us now. So that's where we'll follow. Verses 28 and 29, we've realized our despair, and so what does Isaiah say we need? He says we need to remember his character. Now, this is in all likelihood not where you would have gone had I not steered you in that direction. That is, this is not what you think about as the natural step out of despair that I need to know more about God and his nature. But again, the reason we have such spiritual fatigue sometimes is because we've forgotten who God is and what God can accomplish. And if that is the case, then the answer is, as Isaiah points us to, to remember the character and nature of God. He tells us at least four things about God here. First of all, he says God is eternal. He is the everlasting God. I think this is a reminder that our God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God you've trusted in when things were going well is the same God you can trust in when things are not going so well. Because God has not moved, neither has God changed, and he certainly hasn't disappeared. Now, I realize it's a lot easier to trust God when things are going well. I realize it is much more difficult to have that same trust when circumstances are difficult. It's easy for me to say that I believe God provides for all my needs when my bank account and my pantry are full. It is easy for me to talk about the blessings of God or even sing about it as we've done this morning when our relationships are healthy and our career is strong. But just remember that God is the same in every circumstance. Your situation has not changed his character, he is still the eternal and everlasting God. Secondly, Isaiah points us to the fact that God is creator, meaning he is intimately aware of his creation. And this speaks directly to the charge that the people are making that God does not see what they are going through. Well, of course God sees because God has created you and therefore he cares about his creation. It also means that he is present in all places. The psalmist acknowledged that there is nowhere we can run and not find God. Wherever we go, there God is going to be. But again, this character trait of God being the creator speaks to the fact that he cares for us. He created you, and therefore he cares about that which he has created. And as a result, your circumstances, your suffering, no matter how long they've been going on or how desperate it has gotten, does not mean that God's love has changed or that he no longer cares for you. We must remember that these character traits are not just attributes of God that we study because we want to know more about God. This is not just a theological exercise so that we can say, yes, God is this or God is that. There is always practical application to our lives concerning who God is, especially during times of trials. And so we want to know the nature of God so that we can think rightly about him And the more we think rightly about him, the less room there is for spiritual fatigue in our lives. So Isaiah is reminding us, thirdly, that God is an omnipotent God. He is not weak, and therefore he is not unable to act on our behalf. God does not grow weary. God does not faint, but we do. We all have physical limitations, But God does not. As we age, we recognize these limitations. The mind doesn't work like it once did, and therefore there are times when when we forget things. There are times when we cannot remember things that used to be very easy for us. Our body does not function like like it used to function. We realize that it is slowing down. We cannot do what we used to be able to do. We used to be able to power through things and now we have to stop in the middle of cutting the grass and take a break because we just don't have the energy that we used to. And the body begins to fade in its beauty, something we don't like, which is why the field of plastic surgery or elective surgery is such a huge industry. Even the young and healthy get tired. Even the greatest of athletes get tired. That is why football games are only once a week. Because the body of a football player needs to rest and recuperate from that game. It is why basketball games and other athletic sports space out their games. Because the body needs to rest and refresh. Do you realize that if you get an average of eight hours of sleep per night, that you spend a third of your life in bed asleep? A third of your life resting and recuperating because the body needs it. But none of this applies to God. God does not grow weary, God does not faint. And you say, well, what about the fact that God rested on the seventh day of creation? Well, that's a good point you bring up. But God did not rest on the seventh day of creation because he was exhausted from his creative work. God rested on the seventh day to paint a picture for us that we were to rest one day a week and we were to admire him. That is, on the seventh day, God admired his creation. And on the seventh day, we are to worship and praise God, though, of course, we know that we do it on the first day of the week now based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to steer off course this morning, but I don't believe I'm doing that when I bring up the fact that so many professing believers no longer honor the Lord's Day. And it's another reason why spiritual fatigue is so common. The Lord's Day was meant to be a weekly spiritual retreat to refocus and to recharge, and we ignore it to our own physical and spiritual detriment. That is, it was meant to be both a physical rest and a spiritual renewal. And when we don't take that time each week, our bodies and our spiritual lives are going to suffer. We are one. And therefore, the spiritual and the physical are going to impact one another. Well, the fourth attribute Isaiah mentions is that God is omniscient, meaning that he is all-knowing. Again, this speaks directly to the charge that, that God must not be able to see what they're going through because he has not acted. But of course God sees, because God knows all. It also speaks to the truth that while we can learn a lot about God, we can't know everything about God. He is unsearchable in his knowledge. His ways are not our ways. Our finite minds cannot fully understand infinite knowledge and wisdom, and that is why we must have faith and trust because we cannot know everything about God or why he's doing the things that he's doing. I don't know about you, but I know I have a lot more confidence when I'm in control of a situation. When I know what I'm doing, or at least think I know what I'm doing, I am more readily available to get the task done. On the other hand, if I'm not confident in my abilities, if I'm not confident that I know what I'm doing, I tend to put something off and not get around to it. Well, the fact is, we are not in control of our lives. We might think we are, but we're not. And sometimes just one phone call can help us understand that our lives are out of our control, but... Our lives are in God's control. He has not lost control of this universe. He has not lost control of his creation. He has not lost control of your life nor mine, which means there is no reason for us to be in despair or to lose hope, which also means that we don't need to live in spiritual fatigue. Instead, we remember his character and how that applies to our daily lives, which then leads to the last section of this passage of Scripture, where we can find we can be renewed in our strength. Though, of course, we're going to see that it is God doing the renewal, not us personally. Verse 31 is the reason I chose this section. I told you last week that as I went through Isaiah, I picked passages of Scripture based on two things. Number one, I, I haven't preached it before. And number two, there's a, there's a familiar verse or a familiar concept. And verse 31 is that familiar verse. So you've probably heard this verse before. You may not have known that it came from Isaiah, and certainly you probably didn't know the context of Babylonian captivity. This verse is often used in funeral settings, especially after someone has gone through a prolonged illness where we we rejoice now that they have been made whole. They have been made well. They are completely healed and in heaven. And while that is true, That is not the focus of this verse. The promise of renewed strength in verses 31, verse 30 and 31, is not for some time way off in the future when we get to heaven. The promise of renewed strength is for today and tomorrow in the midst of our trials. Isaiah was telling them that they could regain their strength in the midst of their Babylonian captivity. And he's telling you and I that we can have our strength renewed in the midst of whatever we're going through. Whether that's a national crisis or a personal crisis or all of the above, we can find this renewal of strength. Now, we've already established that all of us get tired and fatigued. And again, we're talking spiritually, not physically. But if we were to be talking about spirit or physical fatigue and I were to ask a personal trainer, If I were to go to a trainer and say, you know what, I'm just tired all the time. What do I need to get more strength? They would probably ask me various questions. One, they would say, well, tell me about your diet. What are you eating? And I would lie to them, of course, and make it look like I was eating better than I really do. But they would want to know what I'm putting into my body, what I'm fueling my body with. Then they might say to me, tell me about your sleep pattern. How much sleep are you getting? Here, I wouldn't have to lie because I get enough sleep every night. So I would be able to tell them I get adequate sleep every night. And then, of course, they they would want to ask about my physical exercise. They would want to know what I'm doing to gain strength. And they would say to me, you can't expect to renew your strength if you're sitting on the couch all the time watching television. That's simply not going to get it done. You're going to have to get up, you're going to have to get out, and you're going to have to be more active in order to gain more strength. So what does Isaiah say when it comes to spiritual strength? If all of that is true on the physical side, what does he say on the spiritual side? And the answer is very surprising. He says you have to wait. Now that surprises us because we're expecting an action word. Isaiah, tell me something I must do in order to regain my strength. Tell me something I need to accomplish, and then God will renew my strength for me. But to wait? I mean, for us, waiting is like we equate that with killing time. It's what we do in the doctor's office when the doctor is invariably late for our appointment. And so we have to find something to do to kill time. And so we pull out our phone and we scroll through the internet or we play some game or we delete old emails. It's always what we do in a a waiting room. So what does Isaiah mean? We're we're skeptical of his answer, to be quite honest with you. I mean, am I supposed to just wait and God's going to eventually magically renew my strength? Well, when Isaiah says, says wait... He is not using the word in the same way that we often do. He is not talking about merely killing time. He's talking about waiting in faith. That means we must admit that God alone can help us. That is, we've come to the point where we are desperate, we are in despair, and we acknowledge that no one, including ourselves, can get us out of this condition. It is only God who can act, and his actions will be sufficient. So this waiting in faith comes with confidence, Confidence in the fact that God is going to act, though again, it may not be on our time schedule. Going back to those character qualities we talked about earlier, God does see our situation. He does care what we are going through, and he certainly is powerful enough to act. Therefore, we must wait in confidence. Look again at verse 29. I mean, verse 29 makes it very plain. God gives power to the faint and strength to those who lack it, If we wait with faith and confidence, all of which implies a complete dependence upon God, a willingness to allow Him to decide what is best for us and when it is best for us. And that goes back to our creator versus creature image. That is because God is creator and we acknowledge him as such. He has the right to do with us whatever he sees fit. And knowing his love and care for us, we realize that whatever he does will ultimately be for our good, even if we can't see that in the moment. So there is a lot more to waiting than mindlessly scrolling the internet on our phone. I mean, when I I asked you earlier, what, what do you think Isaiah would say? You wanted an action word. You may not have thought that, but I know that's what you wanted. Tell me what to do to renew my strength. Well, Isaiah does that. Waiting is an action word because it is waiting in faith, trusting and depending wholly and totally on him, especially in the midst of our trials and sufferings. And then comes the renewing of our strength. Spiritual fatigue replaced by spiritual strength to persevere through whatever trials come our way. And of course, I think one of the reasons this verse is so famous is because of the imagery there the imagery of the majestic eagle. As you know, the eagle is a symbol of America, which does not mean that this verse is talking about a renewed military strength for America. Though I'm confident there's been a preacher somewhere at some time that's applied it in that direction. But that's not what Isaiah is talking about. The American bald eagle was adopted as our national symbol in 1782. It was chosen as such for many reasons. One, it was native or is native to North America. It has great strength and it has long life and majestic beauty. In the wild, it can live up to 30 to 35 years at Dollywood it can live even to 50 years its wingspan can reach seven feet and it can fly higher and see better than any other bird it can fly at 30 miles an hour and when it is diving for its prey it can reach speeds of hundred miles an hour For a long time, it was on the endangered species list because of a lack of population, but it has been removed from that list in 2007 due to healthier populations. All right, so now you know more about eagles than you really cared about, and certainly you didn't think you were coming to church to learn that. So why did he use this comparison? Why did Isaiah choose the eagle as a symbol of our renewed spiritual strength? Well, because of those attributes that I just mentioned— that the eagle excels any others in the bird family, including the majesty and graceful manner in which it soars at heights high above any other bird. And if you've had the privilege in the wild of seeing this, if you've been out somewhere and you happen to spot an eagle flying, I promise your reaction was you stopped and you watched because the beauty and the majesty is so great. So indeed, this is a wonderful verse and a tremendous promise, but it is not merely a promise for one day in heaven. It is a promise for today and a promise for the weeks to come that you don't have to live in spiritual fatigue because you have a God who is strong and powerful and promises to give you his strength. You and I are not meant to live in weariness and defeat, but in joy and in strength. And the key is not the removal of your difficult circumstances, which is exactly what we first think. Sure, I could have renewed strength when God takes this away. I know I'll get renewed strength when God removes this obstacle. But that is not what Isaiah says here. If that's our outlook, we are bound to continue to be tired. Again, in our text, these folks were going to be in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Now, I'm not promising that you're Uh, difficulties are going to last that long, but I am saying that God expects us to live in his strength even in the midst of our trials. So we're not waiting for our trials to end, though we are hoping that they do. We are seeking renewed strength in the midst of our trials, and that's a huge difference. So if I were to ask you this morning, like I often ask my kids when they get up, how are you doing? And I mean spiritually. And your answer was, you know what, I'm tired. Spiritually, I'm just weary. It might be because of some wrong views about God. It might be because you've been giving into the same sin over a long period of time. Or it might be a combination of all sorts of things that maybe you're not even able to pinpoint. But regardless of the cause, you know that you are worn down spiritually. Perhaps you've been placing the blame on God or others when that's not helpful. You're just burned out and you need spiritual renewal. Well, the answer to spiritual fatigue is pretty similar to the physical counterparts I mentioned earlier. You need to eat right, which means spiritually you need a steady diet of God's Word, both through individual study and through group study or listening to the Word of God, even as you are doing this morning. And this steady diet of God's word will help us overcome the wrong ideas that we have in the midst of our difficult days. It's certainly going to take exercise and activity, which again spiritually means that we need to serve God by ministering to others. There is no doubt that when we take the focus off of ourselves and off of our circumstances, spiritual fatigue is soon to go away. That is when we lift up our eyes to worship God, and we, in turn, turn our focus onto other people in serving them. It simply has a way of rejuvenating us and renewing our strength. And then thirdly, you're going to need some rest. And by that, I do not mean a nap this afternoon, though that would be perfectly fine. I mean rest through waiting in faith. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Don't be ashamed to admit that you are weak and weary. We all get that way. Wait in confident expectation for the only one who can turn your spiritual fatigue into spiritual strength. The one who promises to do that when we wait. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for the wonderful promise that we find in this passage of Scripture. That those who wait on you will renew their strength that we can mount up with eagles. Lord, I pray for perhaps many here this morning are watching online who are just tired, spiritually fatigued. And maybe before this morning, they didn't even realize that that, that was the cause of it. Maybe they've been thinking it was physical or mental or emotional, but today you've helped them to see through your spirit that it's really just a, a spiritual battle. And so I pray that we would wait in faith that we would wait for you to renew our strength so we could once again soar like eagles. That's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing and you respond.